The call on the ice stands. We got to go. Okay, fellas, we are set to go. Let's roll, boys. Come on, let's get going. We are kicking. Here we go. Oh, guys, five minutes each for fighting. Watch the blue. Play the puck. Run to it. After further review, it's the Scouting the Refs podcast. Yeah, baby. Here's your hosts, Todd Lewis and Josh Smith. Okay, gentlemen, play ball. Let's go. All right, guys, let's drop the puck. I am feeling like we are at mid-season push to the playoffs intensity in the NHL, Josh. I just the feeling I'm getting. We're getting close to the trade deadline. I know it's not the, the final month of the season, but it seems like things are kind of amping up in terms of intensity on the ice. They are. It makes it exciting, not only for the players, not only for the teams, but for the officials as well. They've all made it through their midseason reviews. They have their midseason grades, and you have the guys that are pushing hard for that playoff spot that want to make the cut for the playoffs. So the push begins, and, and a lot of the guys now know where they stand, but you know there's that bubble line. There's those guys who may or may not make it that even for them, this is a push to the playoffs to try to make the cut. So yes, Todd, the intensity is up all over the ice. And some officials are doing all they can to stand out. We'll have more on that in just a second. This is the Scouting the Revs podcast. Make sure you follow us on the social channels. On X, formerly Twitter, and Instagram, you get Josh at Scouting the Refs. You get me at Todd Lewis Sports on X and Instagram as well. On this week's episode, O'Rourke has new threads. That's not icing. Paying the price. The goal counts. And is it or isn't it a headshot? Okay, Garrett Rank had the hole-in-one with the goal announcement in St. Louis. Do you like what I did there? I do, yes. Alexi, Alexi Toropchenko knocks the puck into the Islanders' goal. It was immediately waved off, no goal because of a high stick. After review, Garrett Rank makes the call. You're not going to like it, but the call on the ice was correct. No goal. Oh, that's some good uh, description there from <laughs> Garrett Rank. <laughs> absolutely oh. perfect wasn't it oh man golf and garrett with the call there and he's got a string going this season he's had a few memorable moments this one obviously this one's going in the record books i mean west mccauley must be proud but remember garrett also gifted us earlier this year the everybody in the ice is getting a penalty so uh he's he's making a name for himself with his mic skills i love that i've forgotten about the uh throwing <laughs> everyone out and that's that's right but I, I i'd love to see that i i don't know that we want this on every goal or non-goal announcement but i i'm okay with having some fun having a little bit of personality of course on social media all the troglodytes hated it it's terrible <laughs> it's a travesty it's the worst thing to ever enter into the game but Come on, it is still a game and you're in the entertainment business. Absolutely. I mean, Tim Peel wasn't a fan. I saw him. He was not happy with the call on social media there of the, the little bit of personality there. But come on, you, you've got a chance on the mic. You want to say something, make it entertaining. I like that there's a little bit of personality. You know, I, I think of the old officials and, and certainly they weren't on the mic in years past, but you knew Kerry Fraser, Dan O'Halloran, those guys had personality when they were officiating a game, even Bill McCreary. Maybe they didn't want to get on the mic, but I would have loved to have hear it. I would love to hear more officials if they're comfortable, if they're happy doing it, if they want to take a risk like Garrett Rank did. Like you said, not every call, not every game, not every situation, but every once in a while, it's nice to see some personality come through for the officials. So I, I will applaud Garrett Rank. I think this was well done. Good timing. You know, he's not doing it for every call, but for this one, it was a home run or as you said, for golf and Garrett, a hole in one. 
Uh, Mick Magoo is another name I yes. will throw out as a blast from the past. Oh, man, I could I could see Mick's face getting red, ready to make that <laughs> announcement. His, his cheeks used to always he'd be fired up, but I would have loved to have had him turn the mic on. Another official that got some attention is referee Dan O'Rourke because he appears to be the first NHL official to be wearing the cut-resistant neck guard, and he displayed it this past week. Good for him. Let's let's get everybody wearing this stuff. It's it's for safety. It's a good thing. Yeah, it's not anything that's required. It's not anything that's mandated. I, I know the NHL was looking at recommending that players consider wearing them, but same thing goes for the officials. Nothing that's required at this point. I don't know if it will be, but O'Rourke has taken the opportunity and taken it on himself to to step up his protection. Look, I know it's a little bit warmer. I know it might not be as comfortable. I mean, the, the O'Rourke's setup is built into a performance underlayer. So hopefully that's a little bit better than some of the thicker neck guards that I'm used to wearing in the past. But you know what? I, I applaud him for doing it. I think you want to stay safe out there. You want to have a long career and avoiding injuries is probably the the top way to do it as an NHL official. So, hey, can't can't blame the guy and we'll see who follows suit. One other um, display regarding officials uh, that I, I want to mention, and it sort of indirectly involves New York Ranger head coach Peter Laviolette. You've likely seen shots of him barking at refs. He can be hard on the officials every now and again, but in an ECHL game for the Wheeling Whaler, excuse me, Wheeling Nailers, it was a young Laviolette who got tossed from the game, and as he exited the ice, did the whole. I'm walking and I can't see and I'm tapping my white cane routine. Um, okay, kind of funny. Oh, that is going to follow him for so <laughs> long, isn't it? Oh, man. Look, I, I had a good laugh at this. I know plenty of other folks that had a good chuckle at, at his routine here, just mocking the blind refs on the way off the ice. It was funny. I, I think we can all say that it's uh, it's worth a good laugh now and then, but uh Refs have a long memory. They're not going to let this one go easily. If if I'm working in the NHL right now, I am busting Laviolette's chops out there about his son's treatment of the officials down there in the ECHL. Yeah, and I, I can't imagine that helps him in his ECHL career as well. <laughs> Anything marginal, you're going to the box. Hey, oh, you yeah. know what? We got a lot of these minor league guys that go on to become officials. So uh, just just imagine that that could have been his uh, his future career path right there. Todd. Oh, yes, absolutely. <laughs> absolutely. Okay, let's deal with the money matters for uh, this week. St. Louis goaltender Jordan Binnington fined $5,000. Yes, it's the maximum allowed under the collective bargaining agreement. Uh, it was sort of an accidentally on purpose high stick of Nashville forward Luke Evangelista. It's it's deliberate, but it's discreet is maybe the best way to label this one. Somewhat discreet. I mean, as discreet as you can be doing it directly in front of the referee there who, who clearly didn't miss the play. I mean, he's, he's well positioned. It's Pierre Lambert in the corner. He sees the stick. He sees Evangelista go down. And, and that's an easy minor penalty call, which it was, and an, an easy fine because... It was well-deserved. I mean, it's a high stick. It's not a butt end. Butt ending is a different penalty just because he caught him with that part of his stick. But Bennington, man, I just, if anybody, if you told me a goalie was going to do it, Bennington's your guy. That's you. That's you're right. That's the first guess. <laughs> if you're given three, 100%. The other fine paid this past week goes to Ryan Lomberg of the Florida Panthers in the second game of the year, a rather heated contest once again between the Panthers and the Ottawa Senators. Lomberg with the elbow to Jacob Chikorin, his fine a little lower, again, maximum though, just over $2,000 for the Lamborghini, as they like to call him. <laughs> 
And yes, those fines are based on the annual salary. So it's one half of one day's salary is the max that you're looking at here. Lomberg makes less. Lomberg's max is lower. But this one went uncalled. It's one of those plays. I, I, I would put it back in the accidentally on purpose where you're checking a guy along the boards. You, you whip your arm out for balance and for stability. And if you happen to catch him with an elbow to the face, well, so be it. And, and I think Lomberg knew what he was doing here. Almost got away with it, too, if it wasn't for that pesky Department of Player Safety. I know. With that video review of everything, it's <laughs> terrible. Oh, oppressing these guys. Okay, let's go, let's go back to the Stadium Series game between the New York Rangers and the Islanders. After mounting a comeback to tie the game, the Rangers win it in overtime <laughs> right off the opening draw for the overtime faceoff. Skate down, shoot the puck into the ice. There is a, uh, there is a scramble in front of the goal. The net becomes dislodged. Artemi Panarin shoots the puck across the goal line. But wait, the net's dislodged, yet the goal still counts. Let's run through the circumstances of why this goal counts again, Josh. Yep, absolutely. And this is a situation that's covered under Rule 63-7. When the goal is displaced, either deliberately or accidentally by a defending player, prior to the puck crossing the goal line, the referee may, as he did in this case, award a goal, as long as it meets the criteria. So we've got the defending player, Noah Dobson, who... who made the giveaway and turned over the puck in the first place. He's coming back. He's trying to prevent the puck from going in and crashes right in the goalpost. So the defending player knocks it off. We're good there. The attacking player has an imminent scoring opportunity prior to the goalposting being displaced. So that doesn't mean he's in the act of shooting. The rule used to be that the player had to be in the act of shooting or have already shot the puck. They changed that a few seasons back to be just an imminent scoring chance, which he clearly has. And it must be determined that the puck would have entered the net between the normal position of the goalpost, which again, clearly you can see where it trickles over the line. If the posts are still intact, if the net hasn't moved, it's still going in. So this is an easy one. I'm glad they took the time to review it. Obviously, it's an overtime goal in a spotlight game that's featured with a national broadcast. You want to make sure you're getting the call right. And in, in this case, they did. Yes, it's it's very straightforward with the rules as you lay them out, and you know, look, you're trying to stop <laughs> stop the puck. You're doing anything. You don't you you don't you don't want the minus, but you don't want to lose the game after after having a big lead on the Rangers too in that outdoor game. That was awful. Yeah, and you know what? The turnover was bad enough. I can't blame Dobson here. Like you said, he's doing everything he can. If knocking the net off helps stop the puck from going in or prevents a goal, well, you, you got to give it a shot. That's that's all you can do because otherwise, it's an easy empty netter for Panarin. Sometimes they get it right, sometimes they don't quite get it right, and that's what occurred in the Caps and Canadians game. In the final minute between the Washington Capitals and the Montreal Canadiens, Caps killing a penalty, Montreal has the goaltender pulled. John Carlson fires the puck down the ice towards the empty net, just misses, but uh-oh, this one gets blown dead, but not necessarily the right call in this case. No, and I know linesman Bevan Mills wants this one back. Look, it, we've seen it before. We saw it recently in, in a similar situation. You're looking at the skaters on the ice. You got five skaters on each side. It must be even strength. It must be icing. It wasn't because the goaltender was pulled in that situation. So this should not have been an icing call. But again, it's one of those things. You're you're making that call. You're glancing up the ice. You're, you're keeping count when the play is further in the other end. And as it's coming down, you're just watching for the icing and you're making the proper call based on the skaters on the ice. So unfortunately, a little gap in situational awareness right there, but not eligible for review. Thankfully, the officials huddled. The other on-ice officials caught the error. And as we do for a, an icing mistake, face off at center ice. Exactly. No harm, no foul. Everybody moves along, but it's just, it, it proves that officials are human and occasionally you're going to miss these little calls. Absolutely. 
Happened in the Islanders and Penguins game this time. Lars Eller scores to bring the Penguins within a goal of the New York Islanders. However, Islander head coach Patrick Watt, it still sounds funny saying that. You know, I don't know why, but Pat, head coach Patrick Watt, the New York Islanders, still sounds yeah. funny, challenges the goal for a missed stoppage because it looked like uh, Valtteri Pustinen has a hand pass. However, the hand pass goes away because of what, Josh? Contact with the stick. So <laughs> rule 79 requires that the, the hand pass for it to be whistled down. It goes directly to a teammate. If you pass the puck to yourself, if you play it with a glove, drop it to the ice and then play it with your own stick, that negates the hand pass. This is not one of those situations where the officials have to look at a change in possession or control. Uh, it was Pustin and who gloved it. So he's the person controlling the puck at the time. Once it touches his stick, doesn't have to be an intentional deflection, doesn't have to be a pass. It can just be any stick contact that negates the hand pass. That's what happened here. It's hard to see. I know the Islanders video team had to be zeroing in on that. I hope they were if they knew the rule book. If they're only looking at the glove part and they they missed the fact that it made stick contact, then that's on them to lose this challenge. But yeah, it all comes down to that contact that negates that the puck did not go directly from the glove to a teammate to gain a territorial advantage. It went off the player's stick and that makes it legal. Let's look at some body checks from this past week. And because that's always, you know, cut and dried, easy to understand. <laughs> so we'll begin with uh, the Montreal Canadiens and Buffalo Sabres. Mike Matheson gets whistled for a hit from behind on the Buffalo Sabres' Zach Benson. As is often the case with a hit from behind, there's a lot of, shall we say, input on social media as to how severe a penalty it should be. Some saw this as oh my gosh, it's a hit from behind directly into the numbers. There's a suspension coming. Matheson got penalized for a two-minute penalty and nothing more. I think that's closer to the right call than suspended for multiple games. This was this was a hit from behind, but not all hits from behind are equal. Right, and uh, you're hitting through the numbers, so we know it should be a penalty at that point. But I think in this play, you've, you've got Benson pulling up a little bit, stopping short, Matheson keeps going, and not a smart play. A clear penalty. I don't think it deserves a major or anything more than that. It doesn't deserve supplemental discipline. So it doesn't rise to the level where I think we needed to go further. It's it is a penalty. It's a, it's a bad hit. You're glad it didn't have a worse outcome than it did. But I, I don't I don't really see this as anything more. All right, let's get to the big hits in the Rangers Devils contest that took place. The first big hit: hulking Ranger defenseman Matt Rempe sliding up the boards and his sights are focused on New Jersey Devils, Nathan Bastion. And as the video shows, Rempe blew him up. It is a huge impact that takes place along the boards. And well, Rempe was given a, uh, a match penalty and tossed from the game. There were other penalties, of course, because of the uh, shenanigans that took place afterwards. And again, a lot of input as to what type of penalty this should be. I, I saw so many people suggesting, oh, this is a multiple game suspension. We won't be seeing them till the playoffs kind of thing. I'm not sure that as the rules are written, that is the case. No, and it looked like a bad hit. I mean, certainly you have a player injured, which is never a good look for anybody. You don't want to see the guy bleeding on the ice and, and wobbly as Bastion appeared to be even being helped off there. But you can't also just chalk this up to size as being a legal play. 
when we're looking at the situation here and we're looking at Rempe with the hit, he's coming in with speed. He's a tall guy. I believe he's six, seven. So you've got a height advantage over Bastion and the onus is on him. We're going to do the player safety spiel here to deliver a clean and legal body check. He can't pick the head, even though Bastion is bent over, it doesn't give him a free pass to make the head, the main point of contact, which he clearly did on this play. So when we're looking at the play, when we're looking at the situation, you need to review it under Rule 48 for the illegal check to the head. There are three criteria that the league looks at when it comes to calling the penalty and when it comes to issuing a suspension. And none of them are enough to disqualify the penalty, and none of them are enough to necessarily make it a penalty. It's just three things that are being considered. So the first is, did the player attempt to hit squarely through the body and not picking the head as poor, time, poor timing, poor angle, or unnecessary extension? The second is if the opponent put himself in a vulnerable position by assuming a posture that made head contact unavoidable. Bastion did. There's no question that his head contributed because it was lower to begin with. The third factor is if the opponent materially changed the position of their body. So did he duck? Did he move? He didn't in this in this situation. So what we have here is Rempe coming in to deliver a hit on a guy whose head's down, but his head's down the whole time. So... Rempe needs to make an adjustment here. He either needs to make sure he hits through the core of Bastion's body, or he needs to avoid the hit or minimize contact. He doesn't do any of those things. He just continues on. Now, maybe he didn't extend. He didn't necessarily follow through, but it's still enough to be an illegal check to the head. The head was the main point of contact. The head contact was avoidable, and Bastion didn't move immediately prior to the hit. He was already down. So, yes, his position is a factor, but that doesn't absolve Rempe of the need to deliver a clean body check which which he didn't do and i think the the match is the right call you the officials have the option of a minor penalty or a match penalty for an illegal check to the head this is not a minor this is a, a an injury i think we look at a, a match so i think they got it right I, I and the other part of this too is that bastion uh because he's he's bent over his position is down low uh doesn't absolve rempe of of delivering a a, a clean hit right. as well he does doesn't flip the arm up doesn't do the chicken wing or anything he's he's got his arm tucked in but you still can't you know, I mean, I, I, I don't know. The only thing he might have been able to do is drop to his knees to get down to an appropriate <laughs> height. But but you can't just blow the guy up because he's got his head down a little bit. No, and and that's why the league said, even in some of the suspension rulings that we've had of, of minimizing contact or or trying to, you know, if they saw he was putting the brakes on and tried to slow down, or he tries to bear hug him and go in and and not necessarily hit him with the shoulder. But we've got clear shoulder contact to the head there. It was avoidable. Yes, it's a fast play. Yes, there's not a lot of time to adjust, but. He sees Bastion's head is already down before he commits to the hit, and, and that was his opportunity to change what he was delivering on the play. As if Bastion hadn't had enough in this game, it was known assassin Jacob Truba who tried to line him up in the next <laughs> period with a with a huge hit. It was kind of a glancing blow by the time it was all all said and done, but boy, oh boy, what a, what a night for Bastion and the New Jersey Devils. So... He, Truba tries to blow him up and and deliver the big hit. As I mentioned, it's not a, a full-on contact. Bastion doesn't like this, of course, and challenges Truba. They they pop up and they both throw punches and and get major penalties. Bastion got an extra two for roughing in this case. How come he didn't get an instigator penalty? He absolutely deserved an instigator penalty. I don't care. I mean, first of all, I'll say that the, the Truba hit was a clean hit. I had no issue with it. It's not charging, didn't leave his skates. But even if it's an illegal hit, we're, 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 we've got a lot of victim and absolution going on today, Todd. Even if it's an illegal <laughs> hit, that does not 
give Bastion the permission or absolve him from an instigator penalty. He clearly goes after Truba here. I mean, he skates after him, grabs him from behind. He's he's going after him. They drop the gloves together and have a fight. Fine. That's all well and good. But the instigating happens when he goes after him, goes to initiate the fight, whatever's being said on the ice. And it's more than just dropping the gloves first. And it was well-deserved. Bastion should have picked up two, five, and 10 on this play. There's no question that this is an instigator. I know the officials probably don't call it as much as I would like them to, but I, I think this one was one of the more clear-cut examples of an instigator penalty in the National Hockey League. The other difficulty with this one, or maybe this just illustrates the difficulty, that the call's going against um, uh, the devils, if you will. You know, this Clearly, there's going to be this, like, oh, there's Ranger bias. Uh, you know, uh, uh, Rempe should have been thrown out and right. given a match penalty and should have been just suspended forever. And Truba should be uh, because of that big hit. And Bastion you're, you're, should have been penalized. We're saying we should have been penalizing more. So clearly, we're, we're out and against the New Jersey Devils. <laughs> Everybody's biased. Everybody's biased against your team. Whichever team you're cheering for, that's obviously who the refs are out to get. Good stuff, man. Way to work. Get in the box. It's the Scouting the Refs podcast. Read more at scoutingtherefs.com. Follow Scouting the Refs on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. Email the show at heyref at scoutingtherefs.com. You're good, my book. Subscribe, share, and keep those sticks down. That's good play.